Hello and happy Sunday to everybody. My name is James Herbie and I'm here uh, with episode four of the XRP podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in again. Uh, again, if you'd like to reach out to us, we uh, have our Twitter at uh, podcast XRP as our handle. You also can reach us by email at podcastxrp at gmail.com. Today we're going to talk about uh, three different topics. We're going to focus on uh, efforts being made uh, currently by uh, Ripple to continue their decentralization uh, of the XRP token in their efforts to um, be classified as a um, asset class outside of security regulation. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a new proposed federal legislation called the Token Taxonomy Act and uh, the provisions that it's uh, proposing and uh, its status as far as working its way through Congress. And then we're also going to take a, a few minutes to talk about where the XRP token is currently as far as some of its uh, metric numbers, as far as adoption, and uh, how it's being used right now in the uh, growing ecosystem. So with that being said, we're just going to go ahead and uh, hop in. Again, we thank you for listening, and uh, we'll get started. Let's just remember the working definitions that we're using when we're talking about securities. A security at its most basic context is a certificate or any other financial instrument that has monetary value and that can be traded. So let's just break it down. You have to, it has to be you know, a certificate or some type of financial instrument. That could be uh, something such as like a, do a stock or a bond or a debt security. All of those are uh, recognized financial instruments that have monetary value and that can be traded between either people or organizations over exchanges. The, the entity in the United States that oversees all securities transactions is called the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, when we're talking about whether a digital asset would be a security, um, we hear about all these different court cases going on and, and uh, legal disputes, uh, even including Ripple at this point, over whether Ripple is, um, is using the XRP token as a security. And we have in securities law, there is a thing called the Howey test, H-O-W-E-Y. And it's a rather famous Supreme Court case from back in the 1940s. Um, and I won't get into the history of the case. You can go read that on your own if, you, if you're interested. But in essence, what it did was it created a, uh, a precedent for uh, a legal definition on whether or not a, uh, a transaction would involve a security. And it focused on the definition of what's called an, an investment contract. Then in essence, if someone invests their money in an enterprise and is led to believe that you will get profits just from the efforts of the person you're investing in, then that is a security. So let me give an example. If um, you, know, you buy uh, 10 shares of Apple stock, each unit is $200 a unit, okay, and you want to sell them in the future making money, you're not doing anything. You just you bought a, a uh, stock certificate and you expect it to increase or appreciate in value in the future. That's clearly a, an investment contract. That's a security there. You have invested your money in, some, in something else, uh, in an enterprise, in this case, uh, Apple stock, 
and you expect profits just from the efforts of Apple or the third party. One common criticism that you'll hear about XRP as a security is that the majority of the um, XRP token, uh, in terms of its its supply, is owned by Ripple. Uh, there are 100 billion uh, XRP individual tokens. Right now, there's about 41 billion of those in circulating supply that are actually uh, released and owned by exchanges, traders, uh, financial institutions, things like that. So the critics of XRP will say, well, you have these, uh, you have 55 um, billion tokens that right now are owned by Ripple. And these are all of the uncirculated or unpurchased uh, tokens. When you, when you factor in the entire supply, there's about 40, 41 and a half uh, right now circulating. There is another 3 billion, give or take, in uh, private uh, trustee agreements um, between Ripple and some of their uh, original founders. So in essence, you've got about, about 55 billion, approximately, uh, that are uh, under the control of Ripple in what's called escrow. Now, if you don't know what escrow, this took place uh, a little over a year ago, about a year and a half ago, where Ripple, to specifically address this concern, they took all um, uncirculated, uh, unsold uh, Ripple tokens, and they put them in escrow. And in essence, what they did was they, um, they bound themselves to a legal agreement uh, over a space of at least five years. And their escrow agreement, uh, in essence, said this, that um, starting, it was, I think in January of, uh, 2018, or I may have my month off, but in essence, uh, from the beginning of the escrow, Ripple would sell 1 billion, uh, units of Ripple on the open market. And they would continue doing so until, um, all Ripple units had been sold, um, to, uh, participants in the XRP ecosystem. So, uh, in the, in the creation of the escrow, what it did was it forced Ripple to acknowledge that they did not own those tokens individually. Uh, and because the majority of them are in escrow, uh, Ripple or no one at the moment owns a majority of the token. There is no, uh, concern about, uh, centralization of ownership. Uh, don't confuse escrow with ownership. It's not. Um, it's, it's more of a custodian, uh, Ripple is acting like a, a guardian of the XRP, uh, token, not as an owner. Uh, they cannot, uh, purchase those, uh, units as long as the escrow is in, uh, is in place. Now, up to this point, uh, Ripple has not sold, uh, Ripple units in the monthly escrow, at that amount. So you have to take the, the difference in your equation. So for example, let's say in December, Ripple sold 300 million XRP. Now the, the escrow agreement would call for 1 billion to be sold, but since they didn't sell all of them, the remaining 700 million just goes back into escrow. And the 1 billion monthly allotment will continue until sales of all the remaining uh, escrow units um, are, are purchased. So, you know, if it takes Ripple 
eight years to clear out escrow, 10 years, 15 years, who knows? But it's at least a, a five-year escrow that um, allows Ripple to ensure that, number one, uh, their ownership of the token is uh, that issue is put to bed. Uh, Ripple makes, yes, some of, some of their leadership has their own um, their own uh, portfolio of XRP tokens. That's no different than uh, Jeff Bezos owning his own Amazon stock or Bill Gates owning Microsoft. Um, but you have to remember, we're not talking about a stock here. Just because they have units, they're allowed to do that. But um, we're talking about a security. Um, the majority of the supply, the vast majority, once the escrow is released, will not be owned by Ripple Labs or its employees. It'll be owned by uh, the general public. So the issue becomes in regards to um, whether or not the other the other critique, I guess, that Ripple gets over XRP being a security is that Ripple would not uh, exist in its current form without the sale and investment in XRP tokens. Uh that's a that's a uh, a concern that has uh, has some validity to it, and let's explain let's explain why. Um, you know the the origination of the XRP token was on the XRP ledger, which is the um, the open source uh, software platform that a group of developers created um, about seven years ago, and. The token that they designed to use on the XRP ledger was gifted to Ripple Labs, that the developers wanted Ripple Labs to serve as a custodian for how that token was distributed and recognized on the XRP ledger. So Ripple, when they are creating their software products like uh, XRapid and X current, they're doing so because they're building off of and using the open source XRP ledger. Um, that's a very key distinction because Ripple is showing themselves to um, be contributing and being the custodian or the oversight of the XRP token itself. Uh, the X, the we're going to talk a little bit now about a, a new a piece of federal legislation being uh, working its way through uh, Congress at the moment. It's called the Token Taxonomy Act, and it is a piece of legislation introduced, I'm proud to say, from my congressman, uh, Warren Davidson. Uh, he's the congressman from uh, Ohio's 8th District. And uh, Congressman Davidson's legislation is designed to bring some some clarity on the federal level to uh, digital assets and some of the outstanding regulatory issues we're still seeing these days. The two main things that uh, the uh, Token Taxonomy Act would do, or the TTA, uh, the first main thing it would do is it would take um, all digital assets and carve an exemption for digital assets um, out of the definition of a security. So all of our digital assets, our crypto coins, they would not be regulated under uh, security legislation. That's important because that would really clarify who is the supervisory body, who is the oversight 
for digital assets and uh, and cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum have already been uh, given definitions as not securities as uh, and being treated as commodities. Um, if you're not familiar with those classifications, um, we did try to define those in an earlier segment of the episode. But the main thing to just keep in mind is that this would allow XRP and all the other digital assets to have that clarity they need to launch their products, to have better uh, understanding of what they can and cannot do with uh, governmental bodies. Very, very important point there. And this would, would, clear, would clear that up. The other thing that it would do, which is more in the interest of your daily traders, is it would um, eliminate uh, crypto to crypto trades as taxable events. So if you, uh, you know, trade uh, some of your XRP into Tron, for example, which has been on a little bit of a run, and you make a gain in that trade and you sell them back into XRP. So under existing tax law, every time you make that trade, you make that conversion between one uh, digital asset and another, coin to coin, that's a taxable event. You have to record and tax those gains or treat those losses. In this case, you would only need to treat the conversion from fiat to digital, and then when you convert your digital back into fiat. So that would really make it easier for people to track trades and um, really provide a lot uh, better efficiency for um, the IRS and um, you know our, our tax government authorities who really don't have the expertise. It's, you know, in, when we're talking about getting regulatory clarity, uh, less is more. I'd like to take a few minutes also and talk about, you know, the current state of where XRP is on some of the different metrics in the growing ecosystem. And I found a, uh, one, one um, person that I really enjoy reading. Uh, and if you, if you are unfamiliar with, uh, with his work, I would really recommend that you uh, check out a website called xrpcommunityblog.com, xrpcommunityblog.com. And uh, one of the writers on there is uh, an individual named Hodor. Uh, you can also find, uh, I, I'm not sure if, if uh, um, I don't recall Hodor's uh, Twitter handle off, offhand, but you can find all those uh, on that website, xrpcommunityblog.com. Cannot speak uh, highly enough of, of Hodor's writing and the way that uh, he keeps track of information on uh, XRP and uh, the goings-on. And I, I read his his blogs religiously. I find uh, the research he does to be uh, very spot-on and reliable. And I just learn a lot from uh, about XRP, and uh, I get a lot of um, good information from there. And I think it was last week, uh, Hodor had a very good... Uh, article called XRP by the numbers. And um, I'm going to talk for a couple minutes about just some of the information contained uh, contained there because it, it really gives us a, a better focus on where exactly XRP is, not just in its own development, but versus, um, you know, the, the crypto and digital asset community as a whole. Um, you know, we, we have to remember that, uh, you know, Ripple, uh, is a company. XRP is the token, but Ripple is the company. And Ripple's products are driving the development of an ecosystem where XRP can be used. You know, they're tackling a trillion dollar use case in terms of international currency 
real-time uh, transactions. And the, uh, the sky is the limit as far as, as where uh, a product like XRapid or XCurrent could go. And it just really is uh, important to see where on that path of development is XRP and Ripple at the moment. So, you know, Ripple right now is a it's a San Francisco company. They've got, uh, I think at last count, about 320 employees. They've got, uh, you know, seven worldwide offices. And right now they've got over uh, 200 customers, paying customers using their software. Uh, we have eight official uh, X Rapid partners at the moment. These are not people that are doing pilots. These are people using it in production. Um, we we mentioned in a previous uh, episode that uh, Euro XM Bank was the first uh, bank to go live with X Rapid as far as uh, uh, publicly acknowledging it. Uh, we know that there's been um, at least six uh, remittance payment processors using it as well. We just saw this week uh, Mercury FM with um, some social media and a press release uh, showing savings in X-Rapid transactions they're doing right now. Um, a year ago, we had about 40 exchanges that listed XRP. Now we have over 250. Uh, there are over a million and a half uh, funded digital wallets with XRP in them. So as far as the adoption of XRP, um, and that aspect, the numbers are very healthy. Um, in regards to, we talked about the use case that you know Ripple's trying to tackle uh, using the XRP token uh, with XRapid. You know, that's a, a trillion dollar. Uh, uh, that's a trillion dollar problem. That's a uh, a a massive uh, use case. If uh, Ripple even gets uh, you know just even a slice of that, they've gone well beyond. Um, you know, success and expectations. Um, there are um, disputes over how to do the market cap, but, um, you know, you've got 100 billion XRP coins. If you are using the full, uh, the full store of XRP tokens, you know, right now XRP has got a market cap of about, uh, about 31 to 32 billion. Uh, you know, daily trading volume has been going between, you know, 600 million and over a billion for the last, you know, couple months. Um, so the, the trading activity of XRP is greatly increasing as the rails keep being laid. Um, as far as the token itself, um, the performance of it has really taken off. Um, there was a, um, a test recently, I'm trying to remember, uh, there, it was basically a performance metric where uh, a handful of your uh, biggest uh, coins, XRP, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dash, and Litecoin. And it was uh, trying to determine uh, the, the length of time it took just to confirm a, a transaction. And XRP was the only one that could do it in a matter of seconds versus minutes. Um, and as far as scalability right now, um, you know, XRP has, has a proven uh, scalability of 1,500 transactions per second. Um, no other digital asset right now um, that's a top 10 in market cap even comes close to that. So the XRP still is way ahead in terms of uh, speed of uh, confirming transactions and also in terms of its scalability. 
So right now, there is just a lot of very positive um, numbers there that when we're looking at the metrics of XRP in relation to other coins, it's very strong. Um, we're we're going to get into the... Um, the consensus protocol of the XRP ledger in our next episode. Um, but I want to just at least acknowledge that the fact that of right now, there are 118 uh, validators on the uh, XRP ledger network. And out of that 118, only seven of them are run right now by Ripple. With that, I think that's going to be a good time for us to wrap up today. I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. In our next episode, we're going to talk um, about our topics will include discussing the uh, the XRP uh, ledger consensus protocol so that we can get a better idea about how we achieve consensus in the XRP ecosystem on the ledger. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the happenings in the current uh, World Economic Forum uh, meetings going on in Davos, Switzerland. We'll talk about any developments uh, from there and how they affect uh, Ripple and uh, XRP. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the uh, new exchanges that uh, are really um, promoting XRP and that have become uh, preferred exchanges uh, for XRapid as that develops here. Uh, going forward in 2019. So again, this is James Herbie for the XRP Podcast. Thanks everybody again for listening. You can find us on Twitter at our handle PodcastXRP or uh, by email at PodcastXRP at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on episode five.